To understand the kingdom of God, we first must understand what is an earthly kingdom and how it operates. Please follow along with an open heart, mind, and Bible as we rediscover the words of the scripture through the context of the time it was written. Greetings to the Kingdom Citizen. I'm your host, Glenn Cruz. As an ambassador of the Kingdom of God, I'm so honored and excited to be with you again as it is the will of the King, politically and biblically, because we represent a government that is the Kingdom of God. I hope each one of you had a a great week, and I hope you... uh, took consideration of becoming a Berean of the word. Uh, it'll change your life, and I hope that it has start to change your life. But you know, my job is to only plant seeds, and sometimes it is to water. So um, God is going to be the deciding factor of that. So let's get into the word today. You know, we're going to talk about what is a kingdom? You know, we're going to talk about the definition of kingdom, get into uh, what constitutes a kingdom. And I believe that this is going to take maybe an episode or two to get through this. But this is very important that uh, those of us who were born and raised in the Western world, you know, we we only know democracy. Therefore, our knowledge of understanding some things. It's based on information we have stored and lived experiences in order for it to make sense. So when we read the Bible, sometimes, you know, as I can remember, it didn't make sense sometimes. Not because of how it was taught, but when you have a mindset of democracy, self-rule, You don't want no one owning you. You don't want no one trying to tell you, hey, you submit your life to this to this king that one you you haven't seen personally. It doesn't appeal to your five senses. Right. So it's it's difficult to to even think that way. But when you look at it through the mindset of kingdom, you know, this is why this concept is somewhat easier for people overseas in the European world and, and and in that side they can grasp this this concept but not everyone has the ears to hear and and to follow but let's go ahead and get into uh, what is the definition of kingdom you know so to to understand that how does a king earthly kingdom operate you know an earthly kingdom, is a territory or domain governed by a king or a queen. That person has absolute authority and influence over people, has the responsibility to his subjects for their well-being. His dominion and authority are absolute. Wow. Okay. So that's let's just let's just read that one more time. A kingdom, an earthly kingdom, is a territory or a domain governed by a king or a queen. 
he or she has absolute authority and influence over people and has a responsibility to his subjects for their well-being. His or her dominion and authority are absolute. So in order for it to be a kingdom, it has to have a king or a queen. Right. And. We're going to get into a few more of the terms that we kind of discussed last week, but there's one term, additional term I'm going to add this week, and that is the term of Lord. Lord, you know, we use that term all the time. You know, the Lord this and the Lord that. But let's sit back and let's really think about what Lord means. That's, so once I looked up this definition, you know, this is in every dictionary. It says Lord is defined as someone having power, authority or influence, a master or a ruler. This with this quality, you know, lordship, this distinguishes a king from a president. You know, us in the Western world, we have a president. We vote him in. Right. But we don't vote. You don't vote in a king. But we vote in the president and the president doesn't have absolute power. Right. He can write executive orders. He can do all these different things, but he doesn't have absolute power because it's balanced by the legislative, the Senate, the Congress. You know, we have all these checks and balances to keep the president from being a lord, a ruler. You know, so in fact, a king's lordship is what makes him different from any other kind of human leader. It makes him unique. Right. So. With the most common word in scripture is Lord, we have to keep in mind also that Lord means owner. A simple owner, you know, and, and I think the one term that a lot of scholars and and, and people who who teach uh uh, this aspect of kingdom, which is not a, a strange, abstract concept. Well, we'll get into that later. Um, but, you know, when you think about that, a Lord does not exist in a democracy because we are a governing body of self-rule, right? This is important. But the term that we do use with the word Lord in it is landlord. And when you think about landlord, what does a landlord, what is a landlord? It's someone who owns land. He's the owner of the land. And if you rent from him, you pay him the taxes, the money to stay on that property. He owns it, right? So you sign contracts and you deal with that owner, that Lord of that property. Right. So when you start thinking about God as Lord or Jesus as Lord, that puts them into a whole different category. You know, I know we like to say Jesus is a friend of mine, but if he owns you, you submit to him and he and you are part of a kingdom. I, I believe he's more than just a friend. But let's move on. That that will be another conversation for another day. Let's jump right into the kingdom concept. Now, this part was born or this concept was born in the heart of man, which was placed there by a creator. 
and it has a purpose in which it was created. Now, you know, despite there's many different types of kingdoms throughout history, they all have certain characteristics that are in common with kingdoms. And the kingdom of God also possess these same components. So, you know, he's not using anything special that hadn't already been that he had already created or this was something new. This is just the kingdom concept. What constitutes a kingdom? What makes up a kingdom? So we're going to go through these 10 items that makes up a kingdom. And after that, we're going to break them down and, and talk about them each. So the first one. First thing that a, a kingdom must have is a king or a lord. This is considered to be a sovereign ruler. Number two, a kingdom must have a territory. This is a domain, which is the definition that we spoke about earlier. Number three, a constitution. This is a royal covenant. Number four, a citizenry. And this is a community of subjects. Number five, the law. These are acceptable principles. Number six, privileges. These are the rights and the benefits of the kingdom. Number seven, a code of ethics. These are acceptable lifestyles and conducts. Number eight, an army. This is simply the security of the kingdom. Number nine, a commonwealth. This is the economic security portion of the kingdom. And number 10, a social culture. This is traditions and protocols and procedures that a kingdom has. So these 10 items here make up a kingdom. So let's, let's start with number one, the king. This is the embodiment of the kingdom. You know, the, the kingdom represents the glory and the nature of the king. And if the king is evil and corrupt, so shall its people be. Right. Because that's what that's what they're being taught. That's what they're being learned. This is what comes from leadership. You know, leadership flows downward. Right. And the same would be if the king was honorable, truthful and kind. The kingdom would be also. So this just means that the authority of the king flows from the king. Who is supreme to the people. Right. So the embodiment of the kingdom is representing the king. That's 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 so important to know. You know, I say all this stuff is so important. But the aspect of really understanding the gravity of the the, the interpretation and the meaning. Will bring so much life to the Bible and to the words that you hear and read. It just bring life into it and it'll bring so much clarity and understanding. Okay. So let's talk about the territory. The territory is the domain over which the king exercises total authority. The territory and its resources and the people are all personal property of the king. All right. The king by rights owns all and therefore is considered Lord over all, meaning owner of all. 
Now, keep in mind that the word Lord denotes ownership by right. Right. We, we talked about that terminology earlier. And Lord is the sovereign owner of, of the territory. So let's let's back that part up with some scripture, too. Uh, this is why scripture in uh, Psalms 24, Psalm 24 and one states the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all its people belong to him. This is the territory. Right. So. We're going to break that down um, a lot more, I think, in the next episode. But um, just kind of remember that first Psalm 24 and one. Let's break down number three, the Constitution. This is a covenant of a king and his citizens, and it expresses the mind and the will of the king for his citizens and the kingdom. It's the king's written laws, his governing laws, the rights and the privileges for all of his people. Now, the Bible contains the constitution of the kingdom of God, which details his will and his mind and his heart for the citizens. You know, so you, you must refer to the Bible as the constitution for the kingdom. You know, so like we in the Western world, we look at I don't know how many people actually know the the Constitution or I've even read it. I've personally have read it. Um, but, you know, the Constitution that we live by in the United States. Right. You know, we have a lot of people that want to get rid of the Constitution, but I don't know how many people really understand the Constitution and how it was written and what it does to to pr protect some of your rights. But like, again, that I don't want to get too far off the topic here, but that is a part of it. But uh, we want to stay. I just want to stay in the context of of Scripture right now. All right. So wrap your head around that the Bible is the Constitution for the kingdom. Now let's get into uh, the citizenry. Now this is a collective of people that live under the rule of the king. Citizenship in the kingdom is not a right, but a privilege and is the result of the king's choice. So when a king decides to go take over territory, he chooses to what he's going to conquer, who he's going to conquer. Right. That's that's in a kingdom. Uh, the benefits and the privileges of the kingdom are only accessible to the citizens. Therefore, the favor of the king is always a privilege. So once a, a citizen becomes a, a citizen in a kingdom, all the rights of citizenship are at that citizen's pleasure. Right. You just have to go and ask for ask the king for them or, you know, at that point, when you are a citizen, you, you, you're operating underneath that constitution and you're receiving the rights and the benefits of that constitution. Right. So the king is obligated to care for and protect all citizens and the welfare. Uh, and that's a reflection of the king himself. 
So the number one goal of a citizen in a kingdom is to be subject to the king, seeking only to remain in right standings with him. This term is called righteousness. This is why Jesus said the priority of all men is to seek first the kingdom. And that's in Matthew 6:33. So a reflection of the king. This is how a king's status is is um, promoted is how well is your kingdom? How well is your kingdom doing? How are the people in your kingdom are doing? You know, so people would would want certain kings to be ahead of them just because of the status that they 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 bring to certain kingdoms. You know, the constitution that they bring, the rights, the privileges, the things they get to enjoy in that kingdom. You know, that's that's what makes the, the, the subjects happy. So when we're looking at the kingdom of God, we have to look at the king the exact same way. You know, it's, it's kind of hard to look at the king as a friend of mine. You know, I know that's old school terminology or old thinking or that may be, even be your thinking currently. I'm, and I'm going to challenge that to to say, you know, think about friendships. Friendships come and go. Right. And depending on your friends, they, they may lead you in a certain way. And, you know, the dynamics of friendships are so different, you know, and OK, we want to seek. We want to be close and seek a relationship with the king. But we have to remember a king is a king. He's sovereign. He's separate. He's holy. He's different than the subject. So, you know, as a citizen, I have rights that's given by the king. So that's the reason why you hear that verse, not by my riches and glory, but by his riches and glory. You know, I, I don't have any glory in my riches. And if I depend on that, I'm going to sell myself short. But we're going to move on to the next one to, to talk about. You know, we're going to be running out of time here. And, and let's just talk about the law. It's going to be the last one we speak about. And the law constitutes the standards and the principle established by the king himself, by which the kingdom will function and be administered to. The laws of the kingdom are to be obeyed by all, including foreigners residing in it. Right? The laws of the kingdom are the way by which we guaranteed access to the benefits of the king and the kingdom. So violations of that law will place citizens at odds by the king and thus interrupt favorable positions that one enjoys with the king. The laws of the king cannot be changed or the kingdom. Uh, they can't be changed by the citizens, nor the subjects of culture change. And the citizens uh, reformation and debate, you know, so we're we're here in the states. We're used to attempting to change the laws by gathering together and, and walking and, you know, voicing our opinions to, to have something change. But in the kingdom, you can voice your opinion all you want. You can't change the laws that are written. Right. So simply put, the word of the king is the law of the kingdom and rebellion against the law is rebellion against the king. You know, so I mean, if you just technically think about it, the United States was a part of a kingdom, but we rebelled. So if you want to say, 
anything about how the United States was built. It was built on the foundation of rebellion. You know, even though we use the foundation of scripture or the forefathers used the foundation of scripture to, uh, to, to start the constitution, it, the, the state itself was formed from rebellion from a kingdom because we wanted to adopt the Greek philosophy, which was self-rule. You know, we're going to touch on that history as well so that you can gather an understanding of how the Greeks played an important role in how we operate as a society today here in the Western Western uh, culture. Well, citizens, this is all the time we have for today. But what I like to do is just make a call. If you have ears to hear the call of God at this moment, and he has asked you to be willing to submit unto him and become a part of the kingdom, please repeat after me. Say, I confess with thy mouth that Jesus is Lord, and I believe in thy heart that God has raised him from the dead, and thou shall be saved. That's Romans 10 and 9. And if you repeated that after me, congratulations and welcome to the kingdom. I appreciate you listening and I appreciate your time. And if you have, just send me a message that you accepted the Lord Jesus as the king of your life. I'd like to celebrate you. This just means that you repented from your sin. You trust in Jesus for salvation and you're submitting to him as your Lord. Until next week, Kingdom Citizens, may the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Good night.